This is the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Pastor CJ is in the middle of a series called Heart of the Father, and today's message is called Don't Quit. Your father wants you to have a can-do attitude no matter what's going on in your life. Adversity, troubles, and trials are going to come, but God says, grow in your faith. Trust in me. I will never leave you. Don't quit. We hope you enjoy this message. Commercials. Take out your sermon notes today. I want to talk to you today about don't quit. Uh, this message uh, obviously came to me two weeks ago. Last week, it was such a powerful service. We went into prayer the whole week of the whole service. We never got to the Word. And it was fun being able to minister to many, many people just last week and just laying hands on people and praying for them and whatever their need was. And it was awesome. This morning, we had 14 people come forward this morning that we laid hands on. It was amazing what God did in the first service. And I'm looking forward to seeing Karen, what he's going to do in the second service. <clears throat> but ever have you ever felt like quitting? Ever felt like giving up? I don't know about you, but we, I think we all go through those times of life. But if you just remember, we started a series, and I've been in a series about the heart of the Father. And two weeks ago, we talked about the heart of the Father is to have a life of joy. How many know that God wants us to be full of joy, unspeakable, and full of glory? When you're full of joy, when you're full of laughter, full of happiness, you're motivated or you're compelled to be able to go forward. You have the energy, the excitement, the zeal to accomplish something because you're in joy what you're doing. And God desires for us to have a life of joy. Jesus first, others second, yourself third. But having a life of joy, there's a difference between happiness. Happiness is about what happens to you. When things are going good around you, how many know you're going to be happy, 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 right? When your circumstances are good, when your finances are good, when your job is doing good, when your family life is doing good, guess what? You're going to be happy, right? Listen, listen, it depends on your circumstances, your behavior, or your attitude. But joy is is not about happiness. It's about this. It's about having a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. You see, listen, joy comes of knowing no matter what my circumstances are, whether good or bad, whatever the circumstances are in my life, I can still have joy knowing that God, whatever I am, no matter what lot in life I'm in, I know that I can still have joy because, God, you're in control. And if God is in control, he's not lost a battle, nor will he ever lose a battle. And if God is in control, you can have joy in knowing that it's going to be okay. How many can say amen? It's going to be okay. How many ever said this before? I'm doomed. I'm never going to make it. But guess what? You're here today. You made it. Hallelujah! Right? You made it. Another one is this. Joy is the surest sign of the presence of God. When you have joy, the Bible says in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He gives us joy unspeakable and full of glory. When God is in your circumstances, when God is in you right now, what happens is the presence of the Lord brings joy. In the presence of the Lord, there's what? Fullness of joy. And so God wants to be in your relationship. If God is really the center of one's life, then being joyful is inevitable. Why? Because God is your Abba Father. He's in control of all matters. And no matter what's going on around me, I can be joyful because God is for me. And I'm on God's team. And if I'm on God's team, I'm a winner. 
How many know that we're all winners in Christ Jesus, right? That's why Paul says in Romans 8, verse 37, we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord, not of our own strength, not of our own ability, not of our own charisma, not of our own talents, but of the strength of the Lord so that we can conquer through Christ Jesus. God goes before us. Did he not send a, a, a cloud by day and the fire by night? He went before the Israelites. And as he went before the Israelites, guess what he did? He made a way where there seems to be no way. And if God is on your side, guess what? He will go before you. He'll make a way where there seems to be no way. He'll make your crooked way straight. He'll point you in the direction. He'll ordain the steps of a righteous man. And if God is on your side, guess what you can be? You can be full of joy of knowing that God is with me. But today, I want to talk to you about the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is not to quit. How many of you ever had kids that, man, just felt like quitting? Maybe they've been in sports. Maybe they've been in different things and they felt like quitting. Maybe you felt like quitting. And maybe you're feeling like quitting today. Maybe you just feel like, I'm tired. I've had enough. I feel like quitting. Some time ago, when I was really involved with sports, and any sports fanatics here will understand this, but one of the ways that you maintain uh, sports and your edge in sports is by lifting weights. Uh, I had to lift a lot of weights. Before, I used to have cannons. Now I have pop guns, amen, uh, because I'm not lifting weights no more, right? And so, uh, but I, I used to lift weights a lot, and the reason why is because you had to always keep the edge over your competitor. Uh, because I was six one or six two at the time, my furniture was rearranged because I had so many back surgeries, now I kind of shrunk, amen? How many can relate to what I'm saying? You either shrink this way because you're walking this way, or because they take a vertebrae out and you shrink that way. And so I shrunk. But because I was 6'1", 6'2", I used to be against players that were sometimes 6'6", 6'7", even 6'8". And because they were bigger and taller than me, I had to keep up an edge, and that was to lift weights, and to lift weights to keep strong. But I've learned something in lifting weights, and this is on your notes. I've learned this about lifting weights. Number one is this, it's on your notes. Heavy weights lifted fewer times in succession produces greater strength. Amen? So I would put weights on, man, and I could only do, man, whatever, 200 pounds, I could bench press, whatever it was, I could bench, and I'd strain until I got the last one up, and then my spotter, I'd get it three-fourths up, and then my spotter would have to do what? Take it from me. But what happened was I would get stronger, and I, the more I got stronger, the more heavier the weights I could lift, right? But I couldn't do them as much as I could the other one. And here's the second part I learned about weights. Lighter weights lifted more repetitions. So what happened was I could put on lighter weights and I could do more reps. Why? Because it was lighter. And it, because I can do more reps, it produced greater perseverance or endurance. It enabled me to pump more. Right? You know, what you don't know is I, I, I do... Sit-ups every day. Every day I do sit-ups. See, today I did, did them before even church. I do sit-ups every day. And I remember when I started out doing sit-ups. When I first started out, I could do 50 sit-ups. And, man, then once I got used to doing 50 sit-ups, I wasn't getting that burn anymore. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I wasn't getting that burn anymore. So then what happened, I had to go up to 100. And so then once I got 100, then I lost that burn. And now each day I do 200 sit-ups every day. You say, I want to move from the keg to the six-pack and to the eight-pack. I'll let you know it's never going to come back. <laughs> right? 
But I, I do sit-ups every day. But the thing is, is that the more I do them, that it gives me the endurance. So I started out 50, I went to 100, 150 to 200. And so I do 200 sit-ups every day. And so what it does, it builds me up. So now when I do 50, it's not like I have enough. I need to do more to get that burn. You know what I'm talking about, Kevin. Uh, you're, you're, you're an athlete. You know what I'm talking about. You got to do more. But the same thing in life, and I want you to see this. In, in life, in life, here's the thing. In life, when it comes to life, most of us can lift heavy weights. We can lift heavy weights. Now watch this. If only have to do it once or twice. You know, what is a heavy weight to some of us in life? Maybe it's some kind of tragedy that took place. Maybe that year you look back and reflect on 2018. Maybe you had a tragedy that happened in 2018, and it was a tragedy. And granted, man, I, I feel for some of you that some of the things that you went through. But you know what? It wasn't a consistent thing. You were able to navigate through that battle, that pressure, that struggle, that incident that took place. But I find this to be true in many Christians. Why many Christians want to quit is because it's not the one time or the twice experience. What happens with many Christians, it's always the reoccurring experience that keeps showing its ugly head over and over and over again to a point that it wears you down and you want to what? Quit. And you're saying things like, when is this ever going to stop? When am I ever going to get through this? When am I going to ever get my breakthrough? The hardest part about being a Christian sometimes is enduring the little things that always seem to prop up and always seem to be that nagging toothache. How many can relate to what I'm saying? You see this, the, problem that the, tough, the, the problems that are toughest to overcome are the problems that never seem to get solved but are the ones that keep coming back. Keep showing its ugly head. How many of you ever said this? Man, I seem like I keep going around the same tree over and over again. Or you said like he or she is always going around that same tree. How many of you know that same tree gets weared out once in a while? And if you keep going around that same tree over and over again, guess what you're going to do? You're going to finally make a path around it. And you're going to be like a cow that when my grandfather and I would yell down into the valley, come boss, come boss, you know what the cows would do? They would look for the path, and all of them would come on that path, and they would line up, and they would walk that same path up the valley, up to the barn. You know what? That's what a lot of us do. We are so accustomed to the path in which we have laid out in our lives. Well, I'm so accustomed to this. This is the problems I'm going to go through. This is my lot in life. This is my path in which I'm going to follow. And we never get off the path because this is what we think we're supposed to endure all the time. How many know what I'm talking about? God wants us to be strong men and women of faith, men and women of resilience and endurance. He wants us to continue to go forward, to endure and to not quit when the things arise. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, I love what the book of Hebrews, the writer was saying there in Hebrews, and he says these words. He says, you need to preserve. In other words, don't quit. Ever have preservatives in your food? In other words, so it doesn't spoil, so it doesn't rot. Well, God is saying, you need to preserve. Don't spoil, don't quit, don't rot. 
but you need to preserve so that when you have done the will of God, what does endurance do? What does when you preserve do? It helps you get you through your breakthrough. If you don't quit, if you don't quit, you eventually get to the end. You eventually get your breakthrough. God doesn't say how fast or how slow you have to go. He just wants you to continue to preserve. He wants you to keep going. He wants you to keep breaking through. He wants you to keep taking one foot in front of the other. He says, so when you have done the will of God, now turn it back. He said, when you have turned to, go, go back to that one, Don, will you? He said, you will receive, you, now watch this, you will receive what he has promised. How many of you know, if you don't go to work, you're not going to get a paycheck? You know what I'm talking about? You have to go to work to receive your paycheck. Or how many of you go to work four days and then you miss the fifth day, and when you get your paycheck, you think, what happened? And you're like, Ugh. Right? And you kick the dog and you blame the dog because the dog bit your foot so you couldn't go to work and you kick the dog. Why did you bite my foot? And the dog said, what did I do? But you understand, you get rewarded for your work. And the same thing, God says, listen, you endure, you persevere, you don't quit, and you keep on, and if you do, you will obtain the promise, and the promise is always yes and amen, and at the end of the rainbow, what is the old slogan? You will find the pot of gold, and the thing is the same with us. We have to keep going forward no matter what may come our way, and the reason why we have these things in our life, these they help us to endure, help us to become stronger, not to make us bitter, but to make us better, to make us better for what God has for us in our lives. You see, listen, endurance or perseverance is needed for godly living because few things about life are going to be easy. How many know I'm talking about? It's not going to be easy. No one ever said it was going to be easy. We're going to have highs and lows. We're going to have struggles in life. Have you ever realized why a farm is never built on the on mountaintops? That a farm is never on the mountaintops, but a farm always grows what? In the valley. Because it's in the valley where things grow. It's in the valley of your life, in the valley of storms, where things grow in you, where things produce character, where things produce perseverance, where things produce faith in your life. You see, if the farm was on the mountaintop all the time, where would the uh, growth begin to happen? And sometimes in your life, you're going to go through the valleys to produce character in your eye to see what's really inside of you. I hope that some of you this morning, I hope we all did, don't have morning breath. Amen? Hey, girl, how are you? I know you. Yeah, you're my friend. I hope we all brushed our teeth this morning, right? But in this morning, you got out your scope or your Colgate or your Crest, right? And what did you do? You squeezed it, and when you squeezed it, what came out? Toothpaste. And then you, what? You did, you brushed your teeth, Right? And what happened? Man, your teeth felt good. Rub your tongue against your teeth. You felt clean. But the point of it is, if you didn't squeeze the toothpaste or the tube, it wouldn't have came out, right? And sometimes in life, what happens is, life is like being squeezed. When you're squeezed with trials and pressures and cares of life, what's happening, you're being squeezed. But the question is, when you're being squeezed, what's coming out? Is character coming out? Is love coming out? Is faith coming out? Is hope coming out? Or is anger coming out? Is bitterness coming out? Or, man, a slander coming out? Jealousy coming out? Whatever is inside of you is going to come out of you. And so what God does, he produces a crop in you in the valleys. 
so that when you're under pressure, you're going to be tested while you're in pressure to see if you're going to pass the test. Have you ever realized or ever thought of this? When is the teacher the quietest? Ever think about this? When you go to class, what is the teacher's role? To instruct you, to teach you, to train you, to enhance you, to get you better, to prepare you for what? The test, right? But when is the teacher the quietest? In the middle of your test. And you know what the teacher's doing? While you have the test in front of you, he's sitting at his desk twiddling his thumb, bored silly. And you know what he's doing? He's seeing all what he put in you that he deposited in your life. He's seeing now, are you going to put it into practice? It's the same way with God. God's given us his word, basic instructions before leaving earth. And so when you're faced with struggles or trials in life, what God is doing when you're going through the test, he can jump in your situation. He can turn things around in the twinkling of an eye, but he's sitting at his desk or his throne room in heaven waiting to see if you're going to pass the test. Are you going to take what's inside of you and apply it to the storms of your life? Or are you going to bail? You see, I read a story about an astronaut. Maybe you read the same story. There was these astronauts, and they took six bees, true story. They took six bees up in space with them. And they wanted to see if these bees could live without any resistance. So they took these six bees up into space with them, and they had them in the space shuttle with them. And so as they were doing it, they got through, and they broke the, the, the sound barrier, and they broke the, the gravity barrier, and so on. And all of a sudden, when they did that, they let the bees out. And when they let the bees out of the jar, they noticed that the bees were just, they didn't even have to move their wings. They were just floating. And eventually, one by one, all six of those bees died. And you would have thought, Gail, that it would have been easy street, right? Easy street. Here it is, man, I don't have to, man, go through any struggles. I don't have to, man, go through anything. Man, I'm cool. But they discovered when they researched why did the bees die, that bees died because there was no resistance in their life. And they couldn't make it without any resistance of flapping their wings. They couldn't get stronger. A baby chick. If you take a baby chick and you put it under an incubator and you try to hatch it, and when you start seeing it start cracking through the egg, and if you break that egg open, guess what you're going to do? You're going to kill it. Why? Because the baby egg needs to break through that yolk and that egg, that shell, and able to build up the endurance of his lungs and build up the strength. And if you take that away and break that off on them, that baby chick will die because it has to struggle to get stronger. Isn't that what God does for us sometimes? God does, listen, you have to go through struggles of life. It seems crazy, but in your weakness, that's when I become strong. In your weakness, that's when you have to fight through and trust me when you're going through the battles of life. Not to bail, not to say I'm about, I'm, I'm throwing in the towel, no moss, no moss, but I'm going to fight through this, and as I fight through this, I'm not going to get bitter. I'm going to get stronger for the kingdom of God. And so sometimes in life, we have to go through these things because God says, listen, if you do, you will succeed. Life requires a sustained determination to remain strong and faithful, step by step, day by day, and moment by moment. A strong determination. You see, the most important thing is me as a pastor, ever realize what a pastor's role is? A pastor is what? Considered the shepherd. 
And what is the role of the shepherd? To watch over the sheep. So whenever a sheep drifts away, why do you think there's a the hook on the end of the staff? Is to reel in or to pull the sheep, right? But why is also the shepherd looking over the sheep? What happens is the shepherd alerts the sheep if there's danger. And he lets the sheep know that, hey, there's danger in the air. And he knows, and the sheep know his voice. So when he hears, and the sheep hear an alarming voice of the shepherd, guess what they do? Sheep are smart. They don't scatter and go individually. What happens if you study sheep? Sheep, when they know that there's danger, sheep rally together and they bunch up and they cluster together to protect each other. But the role of the shepherd or the pastor is to have a reality of life. And the reality is this. I am your shepherd. You are the sheep. And God is our king and he's our Lord. And the reality of this, guys, listen, is the shepherd is here to tell you, you and I will face many struggles. We're going to have highs and lows of life. We're going to go through battles. We're going to have pitfalls. We're going to have struggles. I'm here to tell you that's reality because we live in a world where the enemy is like a lion roaming to and fro looking for whom he may devour and he wants to devour you. And the reality is we're going to have them. We're going to struggle. We're going to have the highs and lows of life. Why do you think John chapter 16 verse 33 Jesus says I, I love this. Michael, Jesus has the disciples all together. And I love this verse. Guess what he says? The reality of the leader is to give the reality of that there's going to be struggles. And listen to what Jesus says. This is so cool. He says, in this world, there will be many struggles. He's telling them. He's not sugarcoating it. He's not trying to tell you that, Karina, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be a bed of roses, and you're not going to have any struggles. Everything's meant. He's trying to let the disciples know in this world, you're going to have many struggles. You're going to have hardships. You're going to have ups and downs. But he says this, but peace, but peace. I give you peace not as the world gives, but what I give. So he's given the reality call that, guys, listen, just because you're going through struggles doesn't mean, number one, that God has abandoned you. Number two, does it mean that God's not answering your prayers? Number three, it doesn't mean that God has forsaken you. Number four, what it means is God is testing you to see if you're going to pass the test. That's what God is waiting for. And every time you pass the test, you're like a grandma or a grandpa or a mom and a dad when they finish the finish line and they cross over just like, man, Steve and Deb, your granddaughter, congratulations, five first places in gymnastics. I saw it on Facebook. I was shouting from the rooftop. Five first places. She dominated in, in gymnastics yesterday. Hallelujah. But just like that, Mark, with your daughter and praise and worship and your son, you know what you do. You get excited when your kid accomplishes. Michael, your daughter playing that song on that ukulele, that was so cool. I know you were breaming. Man, you fill it to the rim with brim. What do you think God does? Every time you accomplish a victory, 
You think God says, well, we'll check it out next time. We'll see what he does. No, he's in heaven, Susan, rejoicing with you because you conquered the battle that you had before you. God doesn't want you to be overcome. He wants you to be an overcomer. You see, I love that. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, he says this, dear friends, look, I, I just think this is so cool. He calls you his friends. Friend sticks closer to you than a brother, right? He says, do not be surprised by the fire ordeals that come on you. But what are they there for? To test you. Don't be blindsided. Don't be caught off guard. Don't be surprised by them. Why are you so surprised? Don't the Bible said that the enemy comes to kill, rob, and destroy, John 10.10. He comes to kill, rob, and destroy. What does he want to do? He wants to ruin your marriage. He wants to ruin your finances. He wants to ruin your health. He wants to ruin your children. These are all things that he wants to do. Maybe you're going to like this. You're not going to like it, but oh well. How many of you ever seen the movie 8 Mile? All right? And 8 Mile was all about battling. The young man grew up in the bad neighborhood. And so in order to survive, he had to learn how to rap. And in rapping, what had to do is he had a face. He was in the championship round of competing against, rapping against one another. And what was happening is this. Rap was what they would do, Barb, is they, my, my thing was to try to put you down as best as I can. To try to tear you apart, Robin, just to talk, everything negative about you. Everything about you. Blah, 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 right? And so guess what happened? Eminem. And the reason why I know this movie, my son, my middle son, tried to immolate him, dyed his hair like Eminem, rap like Eminem. Man, I was like, ah. I'm not kidding you, man. I, you should have seen him, Steve. I got pictures. I, I kid you. When I was finding those basketball pictures I showed you the other day, I ran into that. I quick went by him. I don't like that face. I mean, he was wearing his pants way down, you know. Hey, Dad, pull your pants up. Pull your pants up. You look like you don't have a rear end, son. What's wrong with you? I mean, I'm just jumping on him, right? But you know what? The whole thing about the movie was this. Check this out. All of a sudden, he's in the championship round, and Eminem gets to go first. So Eminem, he, 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 he flipped the switch. He flipped the switch and said, listen, I know what you're going to say. I live in a trailer court. My mom was a prostitute, blah, 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 blah. And then when it's supposed to be the other guy coming back at him, the guy just got there, yeah, yeah. And the crowd's waiting for him to rip Eminem, just waiting for him to rip him. Yeah. You see in the movie? Yeah. After yeah, about 10 times, guess what he did? He dropped the mic and he walked away. You know why? Because he couldn't say anything about him. And you know what? you know that the enemy is going to try to come against you. And you know what he's going to do? His number one weapon. Get this now. Get this. you got to get this in your heart. His number one weapon is to remind you of your past. He wants to bring up your past so you can't walk into your future. He's going to tell you how bad you were. You're a bad dad. You're a single mom. You're never going to make it. Man, you're a lousy dad. You're a lousy child. Man, you should have never been born. All these different things that the enemy is going to bring up on you to try to defeat you from going forward. And Eminem, yeah, and that guy had to drop the mic. You know what? You want to flip the switch with the enemy? The devil, you're right. I once was lost. Greg, I once 
was lost. I once was a drug addict. I once was a drunk. I once, but now, but now, enemy, I am found. Guess what the enemy has to do? He has to back up. Can't touch this. You don't know none of that neither. Amen. I know. Oh, you do. All right. Good deal. Good deal. But look at what he said. <laughs> I love it. You're, you're with it today. It says this, that has, has come to you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Something strange? Now look what it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 20. Watch this. Have you ever noticed we're a fruity church? And I'm not talking about fruit loops. Amen. I love looking out here. Every one of you are funny. Amen. I love it. You ever go to a mall and watch people? I love it. People are, people are funny, man. I'm telling you that right now. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? They are funny. Go to a mall, especially Mall America. People don't, I don't know what it is. Mall America, because it's so big, and we go there all the time when I was living in the cities. Man, we go to Mall America, and I think people, because it's so big, people don't think you see them. And so they're just doing some stupid stuff, man. It's like, I mean, just look at them like, what? Like, knock some sense into them, right? And uh, sometimes we're some fruity people. But one of the fruit is this. Look at this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. There's a fruit, joy, peace. But look at the next one, forbearance. Why do you think God calls that a fruit? Forbearance means endurance, an I can attitude a not-quitting attitude. God put that in you. God put that. That's in your DNA. How many ever heard this? I'm a, fight, I'm a lover and not a fighter. God made you just the way he is, and one of the things he's put in you is love, joy, peace, patience, but forbearance, an attitude of I'm not quitting. How many ever done this? You've taken a challenge. You tell me I can't, I will. If you have that attitude towards people, why don't you take that same attitude and have it towards the devil? But when the devil comes roaring, he comes rowling at you, he comes prowling at you, what do we do? We tuck our tail and run. And we forget who we are. If we really are more than conquerors, why don't we stand toe-to-toe with the enemy? Do you know that it was only a football field between David and Goliath? Only a football field that separated David and Goliath. And every time the Goliath came out, what happened? The Israelites retreated. Only one stood because he had I can't attitude. He knew who his big daddy was, his Abba Father. And when you know who your daddy is, you're not going to retreat. You're going to run to your enemy because I can through Christ, right? I got to move on. But watch this. I love this. God wants us to cultivate the virtue of forbearance or long-suffering in our lives. In Philippians 4.13, Paul says these words, powerful. I can, you can, we can, the church can. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. How many believe God's word? Come on. Then why don't you do it? Practice what you preach. Michael Jordan said he became a great player. It wasn't because when he came out onto the game that he was a great player. That didn't make him become a great player. You know what made him a great player? The practice. He practiced to the best of his ability, and when he got on the floor, he was able to do it. See, you have to practice what you preach. 
If you believe the word of God, then why are we not standing up and becoming all we can do? He gives us strength. The battle is not ours. It's him. Let God fight your battle, right? Listen, God wants to infuse in us a can-do, a can-do attitude, a mindset with him that I and you can make it. Amen? But now watch this. In Hebrews chapter 10, and I'm moving quickly. Hebrews 10, verse 32. I love this. Remember those early days. Remember. How many of you know that the Bible says that go back and remember those of the past, the victories? Why do they collect the 12 stones and cross through the Jordan and made a memorial to remember the victory, right? How many of you got trophies on your shelf, maybe from 20 years ago? And every time you look at that trophy, it reminds you when you won first place or when you won a championship or when you've done this, right? God wants you to remember. Remember those early days after you had received the light when you endured in great conflict full of suffering? What are he talking about? What is he talking about here? He's talking about the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. Do you remember when you went through this? Now watch this. He goes on to say, sometimes when you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution, at other times you stood side by side with those who were well, so treated. Now watch this. You suffered long along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the compensation of your property because you knew that you yourself had better and lasting possession. Now watch this. 35 is so cool. They say that basketball is 90% confidence and 10% ability. That if you have confidence, man, man, it'll make you feel like a better player than you really are, Tom. If you have confidence, hey, I have confidence. Hey, I'm going to take you to the hoop, man. I'm going to score on you. Even though I may not be good, I'm a good talker, amen. But I got confidence. But again, verse 35, do not throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded to you. How many of you have thrown away your confidence? I'm doomed. I'm never going to make it. I'm going down. My rent's not going to be paid. My car payment's not going to be paid. Man, I'm going down. I'm, I'm never going to make it. I'm not going to rise again. Man, all these things that you spoke and said, guess what? You're here today. You made it. So give yourself a hand. Amen. Come on. Give yourself a hand. You made it. But we said these things so many times. Verse 36, we go back to that again. You need to preserve so that when you have done the will of God, you receive what he has promised you. Look at this. Maybe you're ready to quit being a mother, but you will never see your kids grow up if you quit. Maybe you're ready to quit your marriage, but you will never find one like him or her again. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Maybe you're ready to quit your job, but you have to start all over again. Maybe you're ready to quit life, but you never experience what God has for you. There are a lot of maybes, but maybes unanswered are like a lot of dead ends. Endurance sees it through until the end so that you can receive your prize. You can receive your prize. Why did Timothy say, I fought the fight, I've kept the faith, and I've finished the race? He got to experience the prize. He got to cross over the finish line. And once he crossed over the finish line, guess who was there? Mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, cheering him on. Guess who's doing that for you? 
The angels in heaven are rejoicing. God's in heaven, man, interceding for you. Jesus, Gracie, I saw you on Facebook. Man, that is such a pretty picture of you, girl. Get down with your bad self. Mm. She, took a, she took a glamour picture on the Facebook, put it on Facebook. Now a thousand guys are calling you up. Amen. Amen. Molly's saying, no, no, no. Molly's saying, can't touch this. Amen. Right? Real quick. Secrets to endurance. Number one, embrace it. Embrace your adversity. You know it's coming. You know it's going to happen. So you got to embrace it. But it's how you embrace it. Are you doing it on your own strength? If you're doing it on your own strength, guess what? You're going to lose. I'm going to tell you right now, the devil doesn't fight fair. Whenever you clean your temple, the Bible says that the devil comes back seven times worth. The enemy doesn't come back singular. He comes back with many. And if you're trying to fight this battle on your own, guess what? You're going to lose. But you and God make a majority. And if God is on your team, guess what? You're going to win. And you got to embrace it. Say, God, I know I'm going to go through it because James says this. James says in James 1, verse 2, it says these. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. Joy? How can I have joy when I'm struggling? Because I can have joy of knowing that God's in control. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish his work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow. Mature. God wants to mature you, prepare you. Romans 5, verse 3 and 4. It says this. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. How does that happen? Have you ever heard this saying before? When things get tough, the tough what? Get going. Are things get tough right now? Then you're tough. Get going. Get going. Don't put yourself in park. Don't become a dead sea with no outlet because a dead sea becomes stinky, stale, and stagnant. You got to put yourself in drive and say, listen, I'm going to keep going. The tough get going, right? He says, listen, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope of knowing it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Listen, notice that it's saying adversity develops endurance. Endurance produces character, and the people of character become people of hope. When trials come, that's when we are squeezed to find out what's inside the toothpaste or the the tube. That's you. What's inside you? Character. Number two, surround yourself with champions. The Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. Who you're surrounding yourself with? Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so is one man sharpen another. You got to surround yourself with people that are going to believe in your dream, that are going to believe in you. Because if you're with the naysayers, I always do this. I stay away from the nayers and stairs. I don't like being around nayers and stairs. I want to be with runners and hunters. People that are runners and hunters, that are adventurous, that want to do something in life. Because you can always find a stayer and nayer. That are always going to come. We're never going to make it. We can't do this. Oh, man. We're going down. That's a stayer and a nayer. Man, after a while, they need their diaper change. They're starting to stink. How many know what I'm talking about? Right? Woo, there's some bad smell up in here. Up in here, up in here. 
right? Hebrews 12, verse 1. Watch this. Therefore, since we are surrounded, notice that word, therefore. If you have your Bibles, go home and underline that word, therefore, because in a moment I'm going to talk about it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Listen, whenever you see the word therefore, you should try to discover what it's there for. What's he saying therefore? When God gave me this, when I wrote this down, I thought, man, did I have bad pizza last night? But then it made sense. The next line is this. You usually discover the purpose of therefore by looking backwards to the previous verses. Now watch this. What's the next verses backwards? It's Hebrews 11. What is Hebrews 11? The heroes of faith. The heroes of faith. The men and women that persevered, that man went through ups and downs, struggles, hardships, all these things. And therefore, they're saying, hey, when I uh, was in college, we had a van accident. And we rolled our van, not side to side, but front to front. And we rolled it seven times, and it looked like a triangle when it was all done. It was just like that. And I witnessed it. I saw how the accident happened. I saw that Steve Floyd, a good friend of mine, pulled the steering wheel, was messing with Tim Kramer. Remember this, Cindy? Messing with Tim Kramer. He pulled the steering wheel over. The van got out of control. I saw Tim Kramer fly out the van. Brad Trask stuck in the barbed wire fence with over 300 stitches all over his body. We had to pull him out of the fence. Uh, I broke my back and just several things. Had a ride home from Ellendale, North Dakota. They didn't have enough ambulance because there was 15 people in the van. They didn't have enough ambulances. So you know what I had to ride home with? Me and Marv Hagenwall. I had a broken back. Marv Hagenwall broke his neck. And I'm riding. Now you talk about your destination, right? I'm riding back to the hospital in Minneapolis in a hearse. And I'm laying on this gurney, and the roof is right there. And I'm thinking, yeah, Lord, I'm dead. I'm like, man, you just might as drive me to the cemetery. You already got me in the car. Talk about feeling left, man. I, oh, I thought this is crazy, right? But you know what? Therefore, therefore. And if you look backwards, you're talking about the people of the heroes of faith. And you know what the heroes of faith was? Listen, there are two kinds of witnesses. Seeing. I saw the accident. But then there's also the second kind of witnesses. When I had to stand before the judge on the, on the, in the courtroom, on the seat there being testifying and all these things, then I was saying. So that which I saw, now I am saying. Are you getting it now? So that which I saw and experienced and saw Steve, Steve Floyd and Tim Kramer and Brad Trask and Todd, Todd Convalin and Tim Smith and Marvin Hagelaw and all these guys get hurt. I saw that. Now I'm on the stand saying that. So you got it? So what is this? Get this. In Hebrews 11, they are saying, they are saying witnesses. You get that? They are saying witnesses that, listen, this is what they're saying, that if I can make it, so can you. Come on. If they're saying that if I can make it, Art, so can you. 
See, they saw it, and what they're doing now in Hebrews 11, they're saying it. So every time I open my Bible to Hebrews, I open it up. So I love turning to Hebrews. You know, God really created man with coffee first. Hebrews, right? So women, you thought you made the coffee. Really, it was man. Hebrews, man. Every time I get close to Hebrews, man, I hear Esther. I hear Adam. You can make it. They're all speaking to me. Because why? They're saying it. Guess what they're saying to you? You can make it. You, I'm so proud of you. If you knew her story, I'm so glad I'm the pastor and you're not. I love the stories. They're so fun. You can make it. You see, listen, Nike has a slogan. Just do it. Just do it. And in the end, what? You will win. You know what? Just do it. Next week, I'm going to finish part two of Don't Quit. You're not going to want to miss it. Trust me. But maybe today, you're ready to quit. Maybe, maybe you're ready to quit. Tessa, we're believing with you. It's going to happen. We're calling it as though it were. Romans 4, 17. It's going to happen. Don't you get discouraged. Don't you give up. Listen, the Bible, Hebrews, talking to you. You can do it. Tessa, you can do it through Christ. The can-do Kevin attitude. I can. The can-do attitude. I can. You can do it. Amen. You can do it. Will you stand with me this morning? Thank you for your patience. And man, wasn't it great to see the 13 new members today? Wasn't that awesome? This morning, I want you just to bow your heads real quick. This morning, maybe you came like the 14 this morning that they were ready to quit. You should have seen, Bill, there was people down here crying. It was amazing. But maybe you're like one of those that you're ready to quit. And you say, Pastor, I need prayer. I need prayer. And that's you. Just lift your hand up. Come on, just lift your hand. Anyone say, Pastor, I need prayer. I need prayer. Yes. 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 Anyone else? Yes, anyone else? Yes, anyone else? I want, Pastor, I need prayer. Yes, I see another hand. Anyone else, Pastor? I'm going to count to three. Yes, another hand going up. Don't miss this call. Yes, in the back. Don't miss it. Another one. Yes, in the back. Yes. Anyone else, too? Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't leave the same way you came. Come on. God wants to transform, change, and rearrange. Yes, I see another hand going up. Three. Now you look at me today. There were probably 20 hands that were raised here today. Now here's the deal. Today, we took in 13 new members. Why? Because they wanted to become a part of the family. A family that prays together stays together, right? There was 20 hands or so. I counted 14, and actually there was more than 14. I take that back. That was only 14 that I counted. When I think when we came forward, there was probably more than 20, maybe 20. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Do you really mean business? Those that raised your hand, do you really mean business? I want to pray with you. 
Will you please just step out right now? Please, just come. Don't worry. Don't worry about the person next to you. There was at least 20 or so. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. They're still coming. Come on. Don't be afraid. Come on. Don't be afraid. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let God just touch you today. Come on. Come on. They're still coming. They're still coming. Come on. Give them a hand as they're coming. Come on. They're still coming. They're still coming. Come on. Now, here's what I want to do. I need some prayer warriors up here right now. Come on. They're still coming. Come on. Come on. Come on. Stand over here. Come on in here. Come on. Pastor Jack. Pastor, come on. I need some people to come and pray with these. Come on. Gather around them. Come on. Come on. Come on. Don't be afraid. Step out. Come on, Sue. Come stand by these ladies here. Come on. Kevin, come on. Just fill in. Come on, board members. Come on. Get around these people. I'm so proud of this. This is my buddy here, man. I'm so proud of this kid. If you knew his story, man. I tell you, like I said, I love the, I love you, man. I love you. Good to be here today. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray over them today. Whatever their struggle is. I love your coat and I love your heart. That G is right where your heart's at, amen. You see that G, he's wearing it loud and proud, amen. But let's pray. Will you extend your hand towards him? Come on. Let's believe with your family. This is your family today. Father, we thank you for these individuals here today. Lord, whatever they're going through, whatever struggle, whatever battle, whatever situation, Lord, we know it's not greater than you. We know that you are a mountain mover. And so, Father, we can say to this mountain, be ye cast in the sea, and have no doubt in our heart, and it shall be gone, it shall be moved. And so, Father, today, they're making that public confession of their faith to this mountain. It's gone. It's into the sea. It no longer has a grip over their mind, body, soul, or spirit any longer. They are free indeed. I thank you, Father, for touching them, for enabling them, to help them, Father, through the struggle, through the situation, whether it be financial, physical, spiritual, emotional, God, whatever the battle may be, we know it's not greater than you. So, Father, give them hope of knowing that, God, they can make it through Christ Jesus. So, Father, today we gather around them. We lift up their arms as Aaron and her, and as we did with Moses, God, he won the battle. So are they today. They're winning this battle battle. They're winning this battle. They're winning this struggle. They're winning. They are overcoming. They're not being overcome, but they're being overcomers in all the battles, all the struggle. They choose to cast it at your feet today and let it go. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for touching, for ministering today where the need is great. Bless them. Bless this congregation. Lord, I thank you and praise you for what you're doing here at Adventure Church. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. And all God's people said, amen. Now let's give the Lord praise. Come on. Bless you, my man. You're coming out, buddy. I'm proud of you. You're winning the battle. And I know what your battle is. You're winning, man. You're winning. I did it. So can you. I'm proud of you, man. Way to go. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If you want to keep up with all that is going on here at Adventure Church, please download our app by texting AC Siren app, all one word, to 77977 for a direct link. Or visit our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com.